welcome to Conversations About Life. I think it's probably a different difference between our generations is that ours grew up with social media. Yeah, that is a big difference. Well, thanks, Ellie and Johnny, for getting together with me for the, with this conversation. I thought we would talk a little bit about the differences between our my generation and your generation and things related to that. But whatever else comes up is fine. And that sounds really interesting, Ellie, what you were just saying, how social media and technology has made a pretty profound difference between mm-hmm. our generations and just what the effect of that might be. Yeah. But in thinking about this, I looked up, you know, the name of my generation on the uh-huh. internet, which is Generation X, because uh-huh. I was born in 1967. I graduated high school in 85. And you, do you guys know what generation you are in? Or millennials, or Generation Y. What about Z? I came up with Z. <laughs> Z is the next one, actually, um, I believe. And some people draw the lines in different areas. But according to most charts, Johnny and I would be considered millennials or Generation Y. It's the same. same okay. Group. Most of the ones I've looked at, like I'm a millennial and she's just barely Gen Z. Really? Yeah. Yeah, like I mid to late 90s to. would be mm-hmm. Gen okay. Z. Huh. And you're millennial? Yeah, I mean, it depends who you ask or what. Because you're o- older than... Yeah. He's a year older than a I am. A year older. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like right there on the line. And I'm right okay. there on the line for Generation X, too. Okay. Which makes sense. Yeah. And it, um, So, just my impression of my generation, and well, I grew up in the 70s. So, I went to high school in the early 80s. But the 70s were kind of a unique time culture-wise, I think, with... Music is one thing that comes to mind. Mm. So I've I've wondered, like, does every generation just really have this affinity, or I don't know if that's the right word, attraction to the music they grow up with? Or are the 70s just kind of special? <laughs> and, <laughs> I think the 70s are kind of special in that if you, you know, tune into like a classic rock station... Well, basically, you're tuning in into 70s music, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. And uh, I don't know. You guys have any well, thoughts Well, the 80s had some pretty iconic music, too. Really? I feel like some of our local radio stations, like, they focus on, like, today's hits and the 80s. Like, okay. Yeah, that's what they say. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just not as familiar with 80s music because um, even when I was in the 80s, it seemed like we listened to 70s music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know the music I grew up with, and I didn't go to a public school or college. Um, So the music I grew up with was 90s Christian music. And Mm -hmm. so that music, like, still rings with me. It's like something special about that that music. Um, Yeah. I think sometimes it's just what you've grown up listening to. Yeah. That probably has a lot to do with it. Well, as far as other thoughts about my generation, I don't know. Um, a lot of it is just kind of that culture. Like I think of 70s culture, 
um, big hair, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of that, you know, when you're look when you look at bands and stuff, it's like that. I don't know, kind of like what do you call it? Romantic, not in boy girl sense, but in the, the yeah. flowery shirts and mm-hmm. stuff. Kind of idealistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you go into the eighties, and your hair, the haircuts change pretty drastically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what do you have to say about your generation? Well, Johnny and I both were homeschooled, and neither of us have gone to like a community college. So, I feel like we're probably not the best representations of our generation. Um, that said. I think our generation grew up with Disney yep. and with a very, um, well, there's two things that strike me. One is just that we have a mentality. I speak, we very generally, not about everybody, but, um, millennials in general kind of have this mentality of everything's going to be okay. Like it doesn't matter what's going on. Like just everything will be okay. It'll all work out. And maybe that was (laughs) implanted because of the Disney movies. Um, For me, I have like a worldview that kind of backs it up of a personal mantra of mine is just that God is sovereign and God is good. And if I know God is sovereign, God is good, then everything is okay. Um, But it's very uh, much a millennial mindset to think that like, it's okay. Everything's going to work out. You know, there's going to be a happy ending. Um, and the second thing I think of um, is a very, uh, hmm, how do I say this? Self-centered and in, in a way of like self-individualization, um, like um, personal I guess, autonomy or yeah i guess personal autonomy or just like it's really important to be an individual and and not to conform um but still to be liked but like to be individualistic i guess um i think that's yeah yeah that's a, a pretty uh and that's always been a part of of humanity i think to some degree but yeah. uh now it, it uh, reveals itself in different ways. Not all of them good, <laughs> but not all of them bad. Uh, but yeah, everyone. Uh, yeah, it's a very big deal. Uh, 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 your personal. Um, it, man, even just say? your personal story is very important and your personal opinion mm-hmm. and you hear language like your truth, you know, like you speak yeah. your truth mm-hmm. because as an individual, you are impert- important. And, um, and there's definitely some of that from the Christian Judeo, you know, Judeo Christian perspective of, you know, man being made in the image of God where every individual has value. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very Western kind of idea, but, um, there's also, um, kind of like the Disney romantic idea of like, I'm going to be um, set apart. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. not. I, I'm conform. the main character. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just that mindset. <laughs> well, something about this culture that it has like a postmodern um, aspect to it, whereas we've mm-hmm. been through the different things like 
modernism, whatever came, you know, and with the overarching meta narratives, like there's some kind of truth and structure to the world, there's some kind of story. And, and now it's almost like kind of giving that up and, mm-hmm. well, let's just do shape reality however we want it and do yeah. our own thing. Each individual kind of decides what that is, kind of. <clears throat> yeah, either because of the belief that there is no overarching story mm-hmm. and truth to the world or it's hopeless to find it, so just... I guess that's where mm-hmm. everyone has their own truth. I think you mentioned that, or one of y'all did, where that kind of comes in. Yeah. Hmm. And now, like a lot of times, style and fashion um, are uh, related to like a different period, like the, these years, these years, mm-hmm. and these years. Now, you know, and there's still some of that, I'm sure, but it seems kind of like you can just pull and however you want to and be whatever, you know, the seventies, the sixty-ish type of person or whatever, you know, as far as style and fashion, it's all just up there. Um, you know, it seems like that a little bit, I guess that's kind of like a bit of a postmodern flair. Yeah. Um, I think there are certain aesthetics or styles that it's hard to, when you're in that time period, it's hard to recognize it. Um, Mm -hmm. but everyone knows like, the early 2000s, like McDonald's cup uh, <laughs> art. What? You remember that? It's like people online will know what I'm talking about. It's like that blue <laughs> zigzaggy thing. I, I, I can find pictures of it, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I know like the nineties, what I remember, it was like everything. There was a, a lot of weird colors and just like a lot of rainbowy stuff. Like from like my dad's shirts to like music videos and stuff, it was just kind of weird what, what I what I remember seeing. Uh, but right now, I feel like part part of uh, we have so many artists. It's like anyone can be an artist, right? Because mm-hmm. you just have your computer, you know, and then anyone can publish any art anywhere, mm-hmm. anytime. And so you have. I think a much more massive contribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but then that means, you know, like you have a much larger variety too, and a much, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So you get all kinds of stuff and it's really mixed. And we also, we have, especially nineties people, I think have this really big deal with nostalgia where, uh, everything has to, look back or throw back to everything else. And it's like, that's what all our movies right now are sequels to, you know, (laughs) movies that came out early two thousands or nineties or whatever, or, you know, we still have Jurassic park and Terminator and star Wars movies coming out. And it's like, uh, we're very, it's hard to make something good and new. We're very, uh, always trying to relive our childhood. If it's not exactly, you know, matched up to our childhood, (laughs) we get mad, you know, (laughs) Hmm. Well, you, you were mentioning how things have kind of opened up. Anyone can be an artist. I was listening to a James Taylor documentary, and he was kind of giving some encouraging words for young artists growing up. And he said, um, you know, nowadays you can, anyone, you know, can 
get through the door, like before there were these gatekeepers, mm-hmm. like the professional record labels and stuff, and it was really hard to get through the door. Now anybody can do it. And it's almost like and then this thought, uh, he said, anyone can go into the room. Mm-hmm. And then it's almost like this thought just came to him. He said, but you know, it's really full when you get in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard to make a name for yourself and stand out. Uh, and rise above everybody else kind of <clears throat> yeah yeah which is and that's kind of how photography has gone too whereas before there was a, like a steep learning curve the the technology was not like what the normal person had and so it was hard to get over that so and then everything's been open up where anyone can have mm-hmm. the really decent equipment and so forth so and the same thing with music and whatever. And, and that's really good in a way. You know, it's kind of hard for people. It makes it harder to make a living at this because it's so open up to anyone right. to do it. But it is good uh, in the sense that we can experience a lot of creative people who otherwise may never have had mm-hmm. the opportunity to do their work, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, you mentioned... A difference that technology and social media makes. So that's, you know, that's pretty huge. So when I was um, growing up, we had the TV with a few basic channels. Um, Was there cable yet? At some point in my life, you know, cable started to be a thing. And then you had (laughs) more channels. And then you had a phone on the wall. And that's kind of it. I remember when pagers came out, I was a young adult, and then that was kind of cool because someone could page you, and wherever you are, you know, you had this thing on your belt, and it went beep, 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 and then you knew you had to get to a phone somewhere and, <laughs> and call somebody. But today, you know, it's it's got to be, like, really different growing up with all of the technology and everything. Have any thoughts about just what are the big differences that that makes? I have a lot of thoughts about it. Not very concise thoughts, but one idea is just the YouTube platform and what a difference that makes to young people when they're thinking about career options and kind of like you said like the there's no gatekeeper anymore you upload your own content and then it's up to you to stand out and so there's a lot of younger people who think i want to be an online influencer youtube or instagram or something like that like that's actually a career option now and that changes things Hmm. but also um i remember when i was a young adult people's opinions of me really mattered and that's just how I was learning to navigate life whereas now I'm just more stable with who I am and and I don't go into each conversation with the same intentionality as I used to um and I let's see I got on social media I was 14 um and I got on there to help Psalm 67 with some of their online stuff um so it wasn't really me on there for a while um But I just imagine, like, growing up, having my life out there, um, the suicide rate among young people is is 
significantly higher than it used to be. And I think that plays a contributing factor is just because now you're not just juggling the opinions and values of the people around you in your community. You're juggling the opinions and values of pretty much the entire civilized world. Um, and, and it's much easier to criticize someone across a computer screen <laughs> than in person. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of just social damage that can be done to young people who grew up with that who now their entire lives, they live it out online. You know, anything they do, they have to post online. And and that's how they get their validation. And that's how they know if they're doing it okay. And um, yeah, um, I I don't think that's true of everyone. Um, but that's definitely some something I've seen. Something I think I narrowly dodged. Because <laughs> I know at the time I joined social media, um, like I said, people's opinions of me just really mattered. I mean, it could keep me up all night, just what somebody thought of me. And and the fact that I, I didn't put my whole life out there or that you and mom kind of were restraining me from talking to people I didn't know and such like that, I think really saved me from uh, a, a lot of that pressure, um, I think, some of my friends dealt with. Hmm. Yeah, um, I think it's really easy to, like, it's an, we all kind of uh, have a desire for affirmation and acceptance. Mm-hmm. Not not everyone has it in the same degree, but I think social media really feeds that desire. Yeah. And once you're, you've already have a set pattern of getting your affirmation and acceptance from people online, as soon as it goes away, that can really hurt you. Uh, and just take away your 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 self worth and uh, you know just really uh, mess you up. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and I think that has happened to a lot of people. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there's an age range too. At least for me, it was mm-hmm. like a specific age while I was growing and developing. Where that I I just. I thought about conversations so much more and I put so much more importance and value into conversations with other people than I do now. Um, yeah. And so I think during that time where like you're, you're figuring out who you are and what mm-hmm. you value and, uh, you're kind of putting together your so- support system, like having social media, I think can be very just damaging. Um, and, and kind of risky. Like when I think of my kid growing up, (laughs) I know I want to have a lot of supervision and I want to teach her how to use it wisely. I don't want to just completely shield her from social media, but always with my supervision because, um, I think it's kind of a a slippery slope there. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, I can think of TV. So that was the technology of me growing up. Okay. And now, so, but it wasn't of my parents. So Mm -hmm. they, it was pretty much, there wasn't like uh, an awareness of the negative aspect of it, I don't think. So we just watched TV. Like I came home from school and just watched TV. I turned on sitcoms and watched it until whenever, you know, but I just wasted so much time. 
And now, like, I'm really sensitive to TV in my family, and I don't want the same thing to happen, you know, as far as that. But then the Internet and all of this, that's not the um, media, you know, that's not the technology of my generation when I'm Mm -hmm. growing up. So it's like an unknown, kind of like the TV was unknown for my parents. And um, so it's kind of like uncharted waters. And But you guys have experienced growing up with it, so you're you're probably going to be in a better position to know how to guide your own family. I'll probably have changed by the time. Really yeah, there, there'll be something new, right? But we'll as far as what they're holographic what's... brain implant. <laughs> yeah. Um, something else um, I thought of when you talked about the suicide rate. You know, when there's, it's kind of like going from order to chaos because, like, when you have few possibilities. That's in a sense kind of order. Yeah. And then when you have few media possibilities and few communication possibilities mm-hmm. and stuff like that, even few job possibilities, that is kind of like a safe, orderly place. But then when everything explodes and there's like, um, yeah. you got all these choices, it's a little bit like going from order to chaos. And mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. the um, thing that's needed is to um, not get lost in all of that but rather to eck out your order Mm -hmm. in it i suppose it's really easy to get lost in all of it because a lot of like i said like an online influencer it's a legitimate career option now but it's one full of risk and only a few actually make it like so many people try and only a few are household names um yeah i think that's definitely true how many subscribers do you have to have to um, maybe not be in household name, but as far as like saying, hey, this is a viable job, do you know? Um, I think when you're reaching a few hundred thousand subscribers, you're probably able to start making a living off of it. Okay. Um, but that also, it also depends on like brand deals um, and yeah. sponsorships. So that has a lot to do with it. I don't think you make all your money through YouTube, the company. Um, but from what I've seen, is people, when they reach a couple hundred thousand subscribers, then they can start quitting their day job and, and focusing, you know, everything on, on that. Or sometimes it's Instagram. Like, people can do brand deals using Instagram. Mm-hmm. And actually, I mean, like, you can make $5,000 for a picture. And, <laughs> and mm-hmm. that could be, like, a legitimate career option Hmm. for pretty people (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hmm. that's so strange just the way i guess it's just marketing and the way it's changed and mm -hmm. it kind of reflects how people spend their time too because Mm -hmm. they're putting their product before a lot of eyes so what we are attracted to now is not so much like a professionally polished television show or something like that but it's more like what someone doing in right. their kitchen or something. Yeah, I think it's a little more credible, even though they are being sponsored. If you see, hey, someone I follow on Instagram, they use this product and they mm-hmm. recommend it, you know? Um, I think, it, for me, it's more credible than seeing a commercial on TV. I mm-hmm. mean... Um, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. But it reflects kind of what people are doing. They're not watching yeah. shows as much as maybe... Yeah. Um, 
maybe they're doing both, but they're just following everyday ordinary people because they have a pretty family or they're cool or they right. do something that interests them in some way, you know. Yeah. Kind of like reality TV to the next step, you know, just reality blogging and stuff like that. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. So, um, one thing I had thought of in preparing for this conversation is a Survivor um, season. I'm a huge Survivor fan. Um, but they had a Survivor season that was Generation X versus Millennials. Um, so they started out with two tribes, one full of Millennials and the other full of Generation X. And throughout the whole season, they kept trying to emphasize the difference between the generations. And eventually the, there was a tribe swap and it got mixed up and jumbled up. And, and when they got to the end of the game, there was both. Um, but what seemed to stand out and they kept pointing out was the work ethic between the two. Um, and I mean, millennials have grown up in a generation where entrepreneurship and, and online influencer is a career option. Um, but Generation X as a whole seem to have this mindset of hard work will pay off no matter what. Like, just you have to work hard at it. It doesn't matter what it is. If you work really hard at it, it'll pay off. Mm -hmm. And so when they got to their camp, I mean, they set it up right away. They were all, like, just digging in their heels and, like, it and put up the shelter and get a fire going, you know. Whereas the millennials had this mindset of, well, let's enjoy it while we do it and everything's going to be okay. You know, like that was their mindset. Let's enjoy it and let's, it will play games while we set up and everything's going to be okay. Um, and I can see pros and cons to both, mm -hmm. you know, but anyway, I was wondering what, what you, is that what you see in kind of the different generations as far as work ethic? Um, so generation X, like my generation and those older than me, I can kind of see, um, you know, that work ethic, like I can imagine, you know, that as far as the, the younger generation, kind of like you and older than you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It does seem to be, um, you're not quite the same flavor of work, work ethic. Not that I'm just really on the pulse of the millennial generation, you know, but I can, yeah, it kind of, um, resonates with me what you're saying is like yeah that seems right yeah mm -hmm. it was interesting to me also another thing that struck me about it was that generation x as far as the men were very stiff when it came to their emotions i mean like and they there was um it well and then gen the generation millennials um their young men would like cry during their confessional and um the fellow who ended up winning, his mom had cancer at the time and they watched Survivor together. So every time he talked about his mom, he would just break down crying. And, uh, and that really struck me as like the difference when, when the Gen X guy would talk about his daughter that he's raising by himself, you know, he would talk very tenderly, but he wouldn't show any like emotion, you know, mm -hmm. whereas like the younger guys, it was okay. And that kind of, struck me as i don't know if, if the culture's just changing i know there is a big push by feminists that guys should be able to express their emotions you know um and that it's strong to cry <laughs> which is like kind of something that they like to say you know it's strong to express emotion um, 
Yeah, that was another thing that yeah stood out, and that makes sense. I mean, that's what that how I pictured the generations too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know exactly what is behind it, or you know, what shapes the generations to be like different from each other. I guess there's a lot of factors, but yeah, if I mm-hmm. see those differences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a really interesting uh, Survivor season. I well, recommend it. What about your YouTube channel? So you, you kind of started that recently, right? Yes, but it's not something I'm putting a whole lot of effort into mm-hmm. right now, just kind of videoing stuff that I'm doing. I honestly wanted to use it as motivation to improve myself. The channel's called Lazy Rehab, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I didn't realize if you type in rehab, the first... <laughs> search results you get are a bunch of rehab resources for like dragons and alcohol but um but lazy rehab because i am hands down the laziest person i know and i just love comfort and relaxing and and as far as my work ethic goes like my brothers surpass me like 10 times you know um they're just really hard workers and i've always enjoyed sitting down with my laptop um but i made the channel just kind of challenge myself my idea was i would challenge myself each month with just something new or different and then make a video about it at the end of the month but i've also put diy projects up there because that's just something i'm always doing (laughs) so are you picking up subscribers uh not much no (laughs) okay Okay. yeah from what i hear it's a thing like hard ball to get rolling but after it's rolling it's easier to yeah from what i've heard it takes most people like two three years before they have a breakthrough and then they can start doing it full time and um it's nice for me because i i'm a stay-at-home mom so i don't have another job that's taking up my time except for taking care of the baby um but for most people it's like a grind until you get that one viral video and then it starts kind of flowing mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. 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 I, I don't honestly know if I'll ever get to that point for now. It's, it's kind of just something that's enjoyable for me. Well, what about just things that we see in the culture today? Um, maybe not so much generational type of things, but just like, this is really hot in the culture today or in kind of like a recent thing. For example, it seems to me like um, there's kind of like meaning of life type of interest that's being kind of exposed, like with Jordan Peterson or Sam Harris, which is kind of like in the other way. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, there's these people talking about like these really kind of pretty deep um, life issues about what life's all about and, you know, mm-hmm. people who seem to be really interested in that. Does that seem like, um, you know, something that's kind of hot in our culture today to you? I think people like Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris have kind of filled up a void that was empty for a while as far as like a, a large, well-known public speaker kind of teaching about responsibility and and like you said meaning of life and um and finding meaning in your life um i don't know if it's as much hot button as it is uh just really needed (laughs) well when when i say hot 
more like I mean like really kind of going on, not like hot button, like something yeah. that brings a lot of emotion when you mention it, okay. but more like, um, you know, something that um, you didn't have a few years ago as far as people talking about this type of stuff and really being interested in it and so much. And I think it's gaining momentum. And I hope it does more and more. Because as far as like when I talk about Jordan Peterson with my friends, um, it's still not like a household name. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Johnny? I do think there's a lot of, you know, since we have this kind of mentality of we each decide, you know, what uh, our own life meaning and our own, you know, path. I think there are a lot of people that kind of got disenfranchised with that maybe and are more like, what is what has worked for hundreds of years or what has, you know, what, uh, what's tried and tested as far as what makes a meaningful life and what makes for, uh, a solid life foundation, you know, of responsibility. And, uh, I think, uh, people are looking for that. When you first said meaning of life, my first thought was just like the sanctity of life. I thought that's what, where you were going to go. Um, because I think just as far as politically, um, the sanctity of life keeps coming up. It's mm-hmm. like, it, it, I, I guess we've had this assumption because of our Judeo-Christian background in the West that every life has value. Well, now that's kind of being tested, like, you know, as far as abortion or euthanasia, uh, euthanasia uh, like, is is every life um, holy or special just because it's a life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that seems to be something that's, and I don't know statistics, but it's important to, um, like, uh, the younger generation now. Does it seem like... Um, not so much people of my generation, but maybe like young people are really kind of getting into pro-life things and so forth. Mm -hmm. I think for older generations, it's something that's taken for granted that every life has value for younger people. We're having to dig into it more. Um, Yeah. And there is a real big pro-life movement from millennials and, Mm -hmm. and younger people. Um, yeah, and it does tie into what we mentioned earlier about personal autonomy, and because that's what comes up a lot of time is is my uh, people will say, you know, my my right to personal autonomy uh, gives me the right to an abortion or whatever. You know, my someone else shouldn't be able to. Uh, what was the word? kind of take control of my life in a sense but it's like if you have a right to personal autonomy there has to be a right to life that that stands on top of well if you have the right to the right to life is more of a uh that comes first Mm -hmm. then you know a baby has a right to life Mm -hmm. you know and that supersedes your right to personal autonomy uh if you take away the right to life then the right to personal autonomy doesn't have anything to stand on. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's an interesting way to put it. As far as our culture today, it seems like authenticity is a big thing. 
not just our culture mm-hmm. today, but like some of the years leading up to this. Um, does it seem like that to you? And I guess I'm, what I'm thinking of is like reality TV, which is kind of like an old thing now, but, mm-hmm. um, and the blogging and, um, it seems like, um, people, um, don't like they're disillusioned or not impressed with polished mm-hmm. ways that people might put themselves out there. They would rather just see it raw, you know? I don't know. I think with technology, we have a greater power to fake things than ever before. And with that desire for uh, affirmation and acceptance, everyone's trying to put on the, uh, the picture of themselves that everyone's going to like. And so with all our editing and, you know, only showing people what we want them to see of us, there are a ton of fakers. And like, if even like the popular YouTube channels, like you look at them, you look at how they act now versus how they act when they first starting. It was like they picked up on what things their audience really so, liked and then made that into their personality. Do hmm. you think though that what people want to see is someone struggling? Not so much someone who's got it all together and their life is perfect. Yeah, I think people do want to see that, but I do think people also put on a show yeah. of struggling. Yes. And, uh, blow things out of proportion there's this, this whole memes about youtubers <laughs> is, uh, you, you know that is a meme is youtube uh captions or whatever where where uh i'm trying to think of one but it's like uh Just like click when, when you're when your taxi driver you know misses your turn and it shows that youtube is like i was kidnapped or whatever <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i think as far as social media goes um, it's not as popular to show a put together person who's got things together, who has taken responsible steps to kind of, I, I know even with my relationship with Johnny, we have a pretty good relationship and sometimes like I'm just hesitant to post about that because I know there are people struggling and I know that it's not super popular to post about how great your marriage is. Like that's, I think a few years ago, that probably was a popular thing. That was what people wanted to see. Um, Hmm. I don't know. (laughs) Right. Now it's more popular just to let it all out. Like if you're in a therapy session, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kind of. But I still think people do that calculated, calculated way. And that's something that like... (laughs) I'm probably too mean because I see a lot of people do stuff like that where they, they vent their their problems and I see it in, in TV shows too or, or like uh, like in Survivor people will start to me it totally comes across as them just trying to get sympathy votes and try to manipulate people for their advantage and I think sometimes it is, but oh yeah, but definitely. sometimes sometimes it's genuine. Like your mom has cancer, you know, you have every right to cry, but. Yeah, you're going to milk that. It seems like you're milking it for all it's worth. That's okay. how it comes across to as me. As far as Adam, I know, I know most of his crime was in all of his confessionals with just a camera. That was I it. Know, as I far know. as the jury who was going to give him a million dollars, he did not tell them until the very end. Yeah, I, I know. And that, then, of course, he But, like, I'm just saying, like, to me, it always comes across as, <laughs> as so... 
just because I'm mean, like whenever I see these people talking about their struggles and stuff, like it's like, come on, you're just trying to get. <laughs> so to, well, yeah, I'm, I'm just mean, but, but because well, there are so many people that are manipulative and are trying to get attention, it turns me off to to the real examples of people who need, you know, hmm. sympathy. I'm different. I empathize very easily. And so when I see people talking about their struggles, I would much rather hear that than like, to a certain extent. I think after a while, when someone is still struggling with something and you're kind of like, okay, do you really want to get better? Mm-hmm. But as far as like me personally, that is what I resonate with. I'm probably part of the problem. <laughs> and also, it's different. If, if a person comes up to me in person and is telling me their struggles, I'm going to react totally differently than someone who's doing it in front of millions right. of you know people. What, though? Yeah. That doesn't happen. I mean, it's so uncomfortable well, to share in person. Like, I think hmm. maybe that's why it's become so much more common to share it online. There, there was like a, a homeless guy who came up to me and like, as I got to know, even though after getting to know, I realized he's been doing this for years and has the same okay. spiel of asking people for the same things and saying, maybe this is the time that I get on my feet after this pattern of mm. not. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like, I still had a really hard time saying no to helping. I still had everything I, I could to help yeah. him right there. Cause yeah, it's totally different than even though I know he was, basically taking advantage of me it was really hard to say no i wanted to do everything i could to help him but yeah it's different when it's somebody sharing on the screen to millions of people uh and who already has a vested interest in getting more followers and more affirmation Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm part of several mom groups on facebook and watch a lot of mom content on youtube etc um and there, because there are so many struggling moms, it's another place where it can be unpopular to post about how great your mom journey is going. <laughs> um, where really the people reason people are on there is to post their problems and get help. I mean, people are genuinely like, hey, try this. Like, you know, this worked for me. Or maybe try this or talk to your doctor about this. And that's very helpful. Um, but people don't go on there to, like, celebrate Yeah, I haven't really gotten into forums and that type of thing because it seems time consuming. Maybe if I got into it, it would be a different situation. I'm not sure, but like all of those lines of text, and and you have to read quite a bit to figure out where the conversation is, you know, and stuff. So you're not just saying the same thing other people have said and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. But today there is like new genres of communication, like you mentioned memes, and like that's <laughs> like a, I don't know, that's like a new genre, <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, there's different genres of the past, like political cartoons or mm-hmm. novels and books or, you know, but like a meme is like a new way to communicate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Before I met Johnny... I didn't know anyone who made memes. I thought they were something like some person put them on and then they just got shared around and around and around. But Johnny just generates memes daily, <laughs> daily. He's got to make memes and post them. Yeah, it's definitely his communication style. <laughs> his love language is memes. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a different thing. It's like, um, 
you're like, what's it like to make that? It's like is it just being observant and to see something and see something kind of comical in it, or is mm-hmm. it kind of what it's you like? You will watch shows mm-hmm. or movies and take a bunch of screenshots of all of the lines that he thinks are memeable, mm-hmm. and then he'll go and come up with memes for all of these. And then you kind of change it when you're making the meme, right? Um, like the line or whatever? It depends. Usually I, I keep, you want to take like a moment or or line out of its original context and apply it to a new context. Right, yeah. And that's kind of where it becomes funny is where you, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you just put it in a new context that people haven't thought of. Mm-hmm. And uh, so is it mainly um, the purpose um, comedy or is it like more serious of like making a point, a serious point? Um, the best memes, I think, do both. Uh, they're definitely like any form of communication if they can be used really well to get a point across. And there are a lot of pages that exist on Facebook just to do that is to make get a point across with memes. And it's kind of... Uh, it, it's a it's a form of, of propaganda, I guess, uh, depending on how you look at it. Um, just like political cartoons or pamphlets and stuff like that when they first <laughs> came out. You can see there's, like during the Reformation, there were different pamphlets that got printed and circulated and, and they have kind of political cartoons in them sometimes. And, and today we're doing kind of some of the same stuff, uh, but now anyone can do it on their phone. Um, but yeah, I I kind of do both. Sometimes I go for purely humor, and sometimes there's more to make a point. But usually, the most successful memes, like if it if you're just making a point, but it's not funny, you know, it doesn't it doesn't hit people's heart, or you know, right. But yeah, <clears throat> hmm. it's interesting. Um, Do you think people are more entrepreneurial in our culture today? Um, I mean, in the past, maybe people were just as entrepreneurial, but there were more kind of um, tried and true paths, and now Mm -hmm. it's kind of more, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of everything's so new. There's new ways to be an entrepreneur all the time, perhaps. Uh, I think so. I was thinking about this earlier when we were talking about work ethic. I think something that started for a lot of people in school was like, how can I, how can I get by with the least <laughs> amount of work? Yeah. So like a lot of people, Four hour work week. uh, like <laughs> we just learned how to take tests and not actually learn the material, but how to, we learn how to pass tests. And for some, for a lot of people now that's just by cheating. Uh, <laughs> there are whole websites you can go to and just find answers for stuff. Um, or you can pay some, Asian kid on the other side of the world to get all oh, the answers for you. Um, and so I do think that's a huge thing in our culture is getting the highest yield at the least amount of work. And I mean, that is a general principle, but I think it's more individuals have really grabbed onto that now. Um, whereas I think the older way would be, you know, what is tried and true and what is honest, you know, work and and there's still a lot of that holds on to you know like i know a lot of people my age that we're all doing construction we're in the union doing uh 
blue collar work and we're uh but still a lot of them are like how can i get away with the least amount of work <laughs> you know <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh there's definitely if you go online you can see find a lot of people that are not putting a lot of work into things and, and expecting a lot in return or they found a good way where they're making a lot of money without a lot of effort or or they're doing what they love you know and making a lot of money instead of doing something they hate and uh making money so that they can do stuff they love with the money uh so i've seen a lot of programs to help you become an entrepreneur and so that's become really popular seems like there's always another one to teach you how to sell things or how to make things um and so it's almost like a going to college or a company or something where they train you like an employee except that you're self-employed um, and that eventually you'll be, you know, making your own schedule and, and doing things like that. I think that's become really popular. And, I mean, it, it, the more well-known it comes, like, those programs, they make a bunch of money. Like, the people who come up with those programs to teach you how to sell things on Amazon or how to make a Kindle book or something like that, like, they, those are just very, like, I mean... That's a great way for them to make money is selling those. It and it's very useful for people and uh, just very. Uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for. Here's my attractive. It's very attractive. Here's my program on how to make a lot of money. Teach okay. someone how to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and you too can teach people how to make money. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> Well, I thought it, you know, uh, would kind of turn the corner and think about like just not solely what our culture's like, but you know, what opportunities does the modern era have, you know, for us taking advantage of them and going forward in a good way and making the most of the positives and so forth, you know. But before that, how is the church different today than in my generation? Um, like, I think things were kind of more formatted, you know, in my generation. Um, when I first learned about First Baptist of Arnold, I was still in the Navy, so I was in my 20s, I guess. It was like, that was like a new thing, you know, orchestra and big, and hmm. they had speakers okay. come, you know. So it's not what I was familiar with as far as church goes. And, it, and now that kind of seems like, more of a traditional conservative type of church. It seems one thing that seems like is like you can get a church in a box, so to speak. You know, here's your marketing stuff and your name. I'm just imagining. I don't know too much about that, but I get that impression sometimes. And this is how you do things. And it's probably really good, you know, because it's all research based as far as how to get to your reach out to your community so it's probably like really good as far as being effective for reach, getting people to come in but then again i did um visit a catholic church here recently and they had a full crowd and it's a different type of thing you know more traditional and stuff like that so there's that aspect of the church world as well but do you guys have any thoughts about the church at in our times I definitely think a lot of stuff we we talked about already has plays into that of just our individual nature of 
making our, our own truth and and I feel like that's totally infiltrated a lot of churches and there's a lot of of just affirming people and even if they're totally wrong <laughs> and and trying to appeal to people and put on a show um and uh uh there's there's definitely and I think there are even some pastors who are in it for the affirmation and for the money and whatever they can get for, you know, not a lot of work. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like you mentioned, I think a lot of people are f- fed up with that and realize how unfulfilling it is and, and modern how modernity is kind of a mess and going back to tried and true traditions. I think there are... Uh, there are a lot of people that follow like Jordan Peterson and people like that, that are turning to uh, like say Catholicism or more traditional forms of Christianity. Um, And a lot of them, like some of the people I've talked to and interacted with online, they don't, they're not uh, super believing in God per se, but they're like, these are the traditions and standards and principles that have worked thousands of years you know let's let's go back to what's tried and true instead of this this chaotic mess Mm. of doing whatever i want um i don't know how churches were when you grew up Mm -hmm. i know lately i see more and more churches on social media and more and more churches that are making political statements. It seems like they've kind of got tied up in this, um, just this whole age. Um, yeah, I see that. I see that more and more where churches are, um, especially liberal leaning churches, I guess, um, that are like now making big political statements and ch- trying to move along with the spirit of the age and, and keep up, um, yeah, and I think that's a mistake. I don't think the church has been before or should be um, trying to keep up with, you know, the spirit of what's going on around us. I think the church has always been about the Bible and, and the truth that we find there, not kind of what we're seeing around us. I don't, I don't know. How was that when you grew up? Um, I think as far as, like liberalism and you know church liberalism that's kind of been throughout but it just kind of looked differently um it could look really traditional i think and i'm not that familiar with like uh, what people call mainline denominations and stuff like that but um one thing that i notice a difference in there's like a church like rockport for instance um, and then, for example, what's the one there on the corner of Richardson Oak Point, or I'm not for sure, or White Flag over on Telegraph? Okay. Okay. So one meant like White Flag, they had a really solid message. The pastor did like it. That message would have been right at home in Rockport, but everything else was like really entertainment focused, like okay. the. Um, music and singing was more like a kind of like a rock show or something, you know, with mm-hmm. the lights and everything. And then all of the um, 
marketing and even mm-hmm. the pastor, you know, he's dressed down, you know, in like blue jeans and, you know, the way he's dressed okay. and the way he presents himself on stage, there's no podium. He's walking back and forth and, um, and he's using, um, words that are really, um, I don't know, like, you know, if you think of high church, low church, like really low church, <laughs> yeah. like really kind of like slang type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the message was really solid. Now on Rockport, you know, you got a solid message, but like all the trappings of the church, you know, it seems like at Rockport really wary of doing anything that's kind of more like secret friendly type of stuff. Like, you know, you don't want to do anything to attract people. You know, you want, for example, everything to be pleasant for the people involved and stuff like that. But the the mission isn't like, hey, let's get people in our doors, you know, mm-hmm. so that they can hear this message. Um, so that's like two differences that are kind of interesting to me, mm-hmm. um, where the one, like, uh, white flag, it's, we want them all in. We want them to hear this message. Mm-hmm. So, hey, we'll make it like a big production mm-hmm. and we'll, you know, do, send out the marketing stuff and whatever. The main thing is to, to you know, get them to hear the message at Rockport, you know, all of that's kind of like thought, you know, in a suspicious way, like, you know, that doesn't right. seem quite right. Um, so anyway, uh, I noticed one of the other differences that I see is like at a church like White Flag, and I was only there for one service. It's like when things ended, it's like, it's over, we all walk out. Whereas oh, at White Flag, yeah. I mean, at Rockport, right. it's like a family environment. Right. And when it's over, well, that's just time to get started. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I don't uh-huh. know what to make of that, but that's yeah. something that's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Well, what about, uh, you know, ideas for the future? What does our um, culture, the technology, everything offer that gives that gives us an opportunity to make the most of it. Um, any thoughts about any of that? Um, I know technology is just like always changing, and it can be hard sometimes for like colleges to keep up because. <laughs> I feel like I I know friends who every other technology related class they take they end up teaching half of it or whatever because <laughs> like everything changes so fast stuff gets outdated really quickly and it's like if if you're already using that technology you know usually you're like taking the class to get like a certification or something like that and and it's like but you have the hands-on experience you know mm-hmm. um, I think that is important is to get hands-on experience but there's totally a danger in in just rushing into fads and uh jumping on things that aren't really solid and uh it's easy to be that person that buys every you know the newest iphone as soon as it comes out when it's really just the same thing uh but uh i do think there are depending on where you look you you know you can find really cool new stuff, really helpful stuff that's coming out all the time. And like Ellie was talking about different programs that free programs that can help you actually get stuff done. And 
like uh there's really good free photo editing stuff free music and sound editing stuff um there's a lot of ways that you can uh get started in whatever career you want and uh just kind of build from there you might might start you with using free stuff and then make a little money and you will buy a better tool to help you make more money mm-hmm. so you can buy a better tool you know as you hone your craft and kind of make the best quality you can uh but mm-hmm. yeah i think for creators there's a lot more opportunity there is no gatekeeper you you're in there in the room you now it's your audition you you can make a name for yourself if you you know um and it still takes a lot of work and talent but nobody is stopping you from putting your stuff online and you know getting out there and i think that's really cool and like you said there's a lot of free resources um that can help you to get out there and help you to to create um things so i i think that's really cool i do think in our current age there is a need for some of the more traditional foundational principles of of life that maybe we've forgotten or um you know stuff like the sanctity of life stuff like responsibility and the family unit i think really families have struggled you know more and more as the years go families are struggling to stay together and just like um just be a solid family unit and then to pass that down to the next generation um i think that's something we really need but um i mean yeah technology is always changing it's it's uh blessing and a curse (laughs) Mm -hmm. there's a lot of good and bad that can come from it i do know also like there's always gonna be a place for people to work in like trades so like even if Mm -hmm. you don't know how to use a computer or whatever well if you could if you have you know a little bit of muscle or whatever or just the determination you can make a good living doing the trades and stuff like that but also if if you have the commitment and the you know to go through a college or to learn how to code if if you if you know how to code you know that opens up a ton of possibilities and i have friends that are engineers or are uh computer programmers and they can there's so much opportunity for them you know with with new technology coming out like if if you know how to make you know programs or write programs or uh you know there is technology isn't taking away jobs it's making new ones yeah mm-hmm. it's taking away some but in making new ones um i don't think people are ever gonna run out of jobs yeah <laughs> it's changing things as far as how you make money though yeah yes. for sure like Very you have true. to be just as creative and figuring out how do i earn a living from this as you do you know and making the yeah. uh whatever your product mm-hmm. um Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, I'm t- I'm talking about for creative people, you yeah. know, with in these new ways, they're kind of uncharted. Even oh. technology, when you're making, you know, programs for the dentist office, mm-hmm. or you know, um, mm-hmm. they, there's just brand new jobs that. Mm-hmm. And there's stuff like Airbnb, or <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. right, yeah, man, yeah. things are cha- just changing so fast. Yeah. yeah. Um, I kind of think of like the world in a conversation, somewhat. In the past, people wrote books, people read those books, they might 
reply with a book or they might reply with hmm. letters. Hmm. And now things are going faster and everything's more connected, but we're still in a conversation. Hmm. And whether we're just talking here amongst ourselves or this podcast is kind of like a, a strange type of thing too because we're just taking kind of like a conversation or making it public and uh-huh. and with you know people who listen to it you know they could reply and or make comments and it's just like this huge conversation going on mm-hmm. so I don't know really what to make of that but it seems like it's something to tap into um, mm-hmm. somehow and uh, you know it seems like it would require wisdom to kind of think about how, because you only got so much time, how to effectively get engaged where you're receiving, but you're also replying mm-hmm. and in part, a part of this conversation going on. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So, something that is... Um, seems a little bit new is like you know I think of the Bible project is new uh, bringing like religious and biblical studies you know to the common person and just Mm -hmm. even just the studies in academia you know they they have progressed as far as um, well, I think a, a lot of it's based, from what I hear, you know, I'm not an expert on this, from more writings, um, ancient writings being exposed in the mid-1900s that kind of helped see what the ancient world was like. And, of course, you see what the worldview is like, the ancient world, it kind of helps you look at your own hmm. literature, too, which would be our biblical literature. I think that's what some of the, um, the biblical studies, you know, have been coming out of and stuff like that. But um, I don't really know of that back when I was growing up and, you know, or a young person. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, so um, I don't know, like just to wrap things up, um, what are some guiding principles for being engaged in culture um, in the conversation, um, or just in, you know, relationships and working in this type of culture. Do you have any thoughts for just wrapping things up as far as like guidelines or thoughts about that? For myself, a recent thing that I've, um, been thinking through is just the way that I intake media and thinking it needs to be a lot more intentional. Because I've realized just through entertainment, taking in ideas that I have not thought through, I have not agreed to them, and now I'm thinking through the lens of those ideas. Hmm. And I've found myself just thinking with a worldly mindset, thinking that's not something I ever purposely put there in my head. It's not an idea that I've thought through or validated, you know, and I know for me personally, just when I'm listening to podcasts, when I'm on social media, I want to be a lot more acknowledging and intentional about the ideas I'm taking. And I still want to take in 
worldly secular ideas, but I want to be thinking through them. I don't want to take them in passively mm-hmm. and then have them added to my my lens, so to speak, without me noticing it. So for me personally right now, I I want to be a lot more ten- intentional about the way that I interact with media, uh, with movies and with podcasts and uh, articles or, or whatever it is. But that's all for me lately. One thing that I've thought of is like just distraction. Like uh, that's a requires more discipline than it used to. It's so easy to, well, <laughs> art, like let's say you go to YouTube because you're wanting to research something and you're <laughs> looking for a video on that thing. Yeah. Okay, so so good so far. But when you first bring the browser page up, you see all these suggested videos yeah. <laughs> and then you, man, that looks really interesting. You click on that yeah. and then you watch it and then you think, now what was I doing? Yes. <laughs> and that's the way the algorithm is set up. The videos they like are the ones they can get you to click on, watch till the end, and then click another. If that video can get you to click another video, it's gold. <laughs> man, yeah. so it's really good to be aware of just what their purpose is. Mm, yeah. And it seems like Man, like you're the product, you know, and I guess you are. Um, it's all marketing. It's not. Um, so the motivations are not not so. <laughs> Their motivation is not to put out truth. That, yeah. That's not it. Their motivation is to engage you by whatever means they can use, you know, to keep you engaged. And so you really have to be in charge mm-hmm. of what you, how you use it. Because it's not like they're on your side. Right. <laughs> you have to be on your own side right. and say, somehow I'm going to be, you know, doing yeah. this and looking at this for this purpose. Yeah. You got to be really intentional. I think that's what you said. Yeah. 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 Any, anything else, either of you? Not that I can think of. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Really enjoyed the conversation with you. Yeah, I did too. If you use a podcast app like iTunes, please give a review of Conversations About Life. Mm